Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. We're going to look at uh, Jesus as he prays for Christians in John chapter 17. Now, in the Gospels, we have this story about the disciples one day coming to Jesus and saying, teach us how to pray. And so he gives them what we call today the Lord's Prayer. He did not give that prayer so that you and I could just repeat that prayer over and over again every day, every service, every time. He said, here's the things I want you to pray for. I want you to pray for the greatness of God, God's kingdom, your needs, and your relationship with other people. And I want you to give me glory in it. That's how you pray. But John chapter 17 is this great chapter. It's one of the best in my mind of Jesus praying. We're listening in on his conversation as he prays to the Father. John chapter 17, verse 9, notice what he says. My prayer, he's talking to the Father, it's not for the world, it's for those you've given me, for the Christians, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you've given them to me, so they bring me glory. So he's addressing the Father and saying, Father, here's what I'm asking for my disciples and for all of those people that are going to follow them that believe in me. So the prayer Jesus prayed as he prays it, it shows us his heart. Here is what matters to him. Here's what he's praying about for us. It's good to know that Jesus prays for us, isn't it? Because here's the thing, even now he's interceding for us, isn't he? He's still praying. He's still doing that. So it shows us his heart. But the prayer Jesus prays, it also shows us our hope. Here's what we have to look forward to. Here's what we know is going on. Here's how much he cares. So we're going to break down some of the verses tonight and look at what he's praying about and what he wants for us. First one is he wants us to have protection. He wants us to have protection. Notice what he says, verse 11 and verse 15 in John chapter 17. I'm departing the world. They're staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they'll be united just as we are. Verse 15, I'm not asking them to take them out of the, take them out of the world. Keep them safe from the evil one. In other words, you know, don't leave me into temptation. You know, that's part of that Lord's Prayer. But he says, I want you to take care of them, protect them. They're going to stay in this world. Now, notice, he knows that we're going to stay. He knows there's going to be a battle, doesn't he? He knows there's going to be a conflict. He knows the evil one's going to be after us, doesn't he? But he said, I'm going to leave them here, and I want you and to take care of them and to protect them and to understand that they are taken care of by you. Now, understand something. Protection doesn't mean no problems. Protection means God is praying for me, and if God is for me, who can be against me? And so Jesus prays right at the outset, Father, I'm going to leave them here, and I understand there's a conflict going on, and the evil one is at work in this world. You protect them. It's good to know that you and I are protected by God. That no matter what we face and what we go through, God does protect us. Secondly, he wants us to have gratification. Gratification. I want you to protect them. There's a conflict going. I'm going to leave them here. Protect them by by your presence, by your spirit, by your word. Protect them. And Father, in the midst of that, 
I want them to have gratification. Verse 13, I'm coming to you. I've told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they could be filled with my joy. In the midst of all of this world that's happening, you and I are a people of great joy. In fact, the writer in the New Testament says to be joyful always, doesn't he? It's not just any kind of joy. It's not a happiness. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Let me review it for you again just so you understand it. Happiness has to do with external circumstances. You know, I got a raise. I'm happy. This got taken care of. Oh, I'm happy. Someone smiled at me. I'm happy. You know, I'm just, all the things are going the way I want them to go. I'm happy. Joy has to do with what's going on inside of me. That no matter what's going on outside of me, joy is still on the inside of me. Thus, I can always be joyful. And so he prays. He says, I've given them everything they need. I've told them a lot of things and and I've given it to them so that they will have joy. Why did God give us the word so that we could have joy? That we don't have to worry about all the stuff going on. We pray about it. We understand there, but our joy is still there. Now, in John chapter 16, just the previous chapter, Jesus has been talking to his disciples. And notice what he says in verse 20. I tell you the truth. You'll weep and mourn over what's going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to joy. Yeah. It'll be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she's brought a new baby into the world. Pastor Blake, listen up. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and then you'll rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. Let me just tell you something. If you don't have joy, it's not anybody else's fault but your own. No one can take your joy away from you without your permission. And so you and I have that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I'll just tell you the truth. You'll ask the Father directly. He'll grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, receive, and you will have abundant joy. Christians should be the most joyful people in the world. That means to the people who aren't Christians, you and I should look like the happiest people in the world. So some of you need to work on that countenance thing, you know, where it actually looks like you're kind of happy. You know, just a little smile once in a while would be good. And so he just says, look, I want you to protect them and I want you to give them such a gratification in our presence and in life that they are just filled with joy on a constant basis. That no matter what the circumstances, no matter where we find ourselves, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Jesus prays for that. I want them to have joy. God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be joyful. Then Jesus wants us to have purification. Purification. He says, protect them, take care of them, give them the joy that only you can give to them. And Jesus said before he left, I'm not giving you joy. The world can't give it to you. It's mine. And then he says, verse 16, 17, and 19, 
They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy, pure, by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Notice, we are not a part of this world. We are separate. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about purity. I talked about holiness, what it means to be that. Set apart for a specific use that God has for each one of us. And he says, look, I don't want them to get messed up in the world. I don't want them to get, let's use the biblical term, entangled by all that this world is doing and trying to do to people. I want them to be able to live a life unentangled from the world. I want them to be holy. I want them to be pure. I want them to recognize the world doesn't have to dictate to them how they act and how they behave and what they do. The world has nothing to offer them that will satisfy them. Let them be pure. Let them be holy. Let them know I am at work. You're at work. Give them the joy in the midst of it all and let them understand that this world is not their home and they do not belong to the world. Now that's something our nature struggles with. We all want to belong. Everyone looks for a place to belong. And he says, look, help them to understand that this world is not where they belong. The Bible uses a lot of terms for this. It says we're aliens. It says we're foreigners. It says we don't fit in. And sometimes we try to fit in. But he says, look, I want you to bring purity into their lives. I've given them a sacrifice so that my sacrifice can make them pure because the blood of Jesus Christ purifies us from all our sins. And we are distinct above all others. I want them to be pure. God wants you to be pure. And then he says, I, I, I want you to, them to have an aspiration, an aspiration. I want them to have a goal in life. I want them to have a purpose. I want them to have something that they're looking forward to. I want them to have something to do. I want them to have something they can attain in life. So he says in verses, verse 18, verse 20, he says this, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. Now notice what he said. He said, I'm going to leave them in the world, protect them while they're here, but I'm sending them. I'm not just saying goodbye, good luck. I'm leaving and they're there and I have something I expect them to do. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That verse is us. And so he says, look, I want them to understand that they have a message that the world needs to hear. And I am leaving them here because I want them to be used so that they can have an impact and an influence in the world while they live on this planet. God has an aspiration for you. He wants you to use your life to have an influence on the people that you touch in life. He wants you to take his message, his love, 
His kindness, His goodness to others. We're not just here twiddling our thumbs until He comes again. We're not just here, well, I'm here, uh, you know, my day will come someday and then I'll go home and everything will be wonderful. It's no, I'm here. People need the gospel. My job is to do it one way or the other. That might mean I resource it financially. It might mean and will mean that I'm also involved physically as well. It just means that God has me here because he has something for me to do. And that's why he left me. He didn't leave me because, well, I'm going to leave him here because I got to go get ready. And, and you know, it, it's, <laughs> okay, I might get in trouble for this. It's not like, okay, I'm ready to leave for something and my wife's getting ready. And I'm just here until she's ready. Okay, some of you understand that. He didn't say, look, I'm going to go get ready. You just kill some time until I'm ready for you. It's not what he said, is it? He says, look, I'm sending them into the world. I've got something for them to do. I got a message that needs to be heard. I want them to live their lives declaring that message. That doesn't mean, you know... Uh, that I always have to say something, but it does mean I always have to be someone. Because that's what Jesus prayed for. I'm sending them into this world. The enemy's at work, but they're going to be my resource to declare my salvation to a people who are lost. And that's what he prayed about. Then he prays about unification. Unification. <laughs> you know, we just finished first, second, third John, and I think we, I, you maybe got tired of hearing, I want them to love each other. I want them to love each other. I want them. Here, here's the thing. It's in the Lord's Prayer. Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. It, it's everywhere you look. God wants us to get along. That means you have to be easy to get along with. Okay? Now, we put it on everybody else. Oh, they're hard to get along with. Go look in a mirror. Now, notice what he says, verse 21, 22, and 23. Notice, I pray that they will all be one. Now, who's he praying for? Christians. Okay? Not saying the world. He's saying Christians. I want them to all be one just as you and I are one. One in purpose, one in agreement, one in what we understand our, our world is to be like and what we're to do in it. As you are in me, Father, and I'm in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Wow. I want them to be one so that those who aren't Christians will believe that I came. That's powerful. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Wow. Okay, I've given them this so that they can do this. I'm in them, you're in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. 
So when we don't get along with one another, the world doesn't believe in God. And the church hasn't done a good job at living in unity. And therefore the world, why would I want some of that? Why would I want to be like that? John 13, 35, Jesus speaking, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Well, I just have a hard time getting along with people, so I'll just stay away from people. Okay? That doesn't mesh with what's your job to show the world God's love, right? You're not showing his love if you're trying to stay away from everybody. I got an idea. Why don't you just fix you? You know what the problem is of getting along with people? It's people. They're people. We're people. We're hard to get along with. Why? Because we're selfish. We think we're pretty good. We think we know what's best. We think our way is better. Oh, I know my way isn't, isn't the only way, but it's probably the right way. You know, we just have all these ideas about we're not that bad, we're okay. None of us take the time to say, is there anything in my life that is hindering me from getting along with somebody else or hindering someone else to getting along with me? Because it's not just, I want you to get along with most people. It says, I want them to be so unified, so together, that there is no doubt from those who aren't Christians they can look and see God's love. Because the world knows how hard it is to get along with one another, doesn't it? It sure does. And that's looking for something. What can we do? Can't we all just get along? Well, yeah, we can. You want to show you how? Just watch us. That's hard for us to do, isn't it? Notice what Paul writes in Romans chapter 15. May God who gives this patient and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. (laughs) Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. How did Christ accept you? Just as you are. Unless when he accepted us, we're a mess. And he's accepted us and we still are kind of messy at times, aren't we? So I do not believe that most Christians understand the priority of living together in unity and letting all the other stuff not keep us apart. We're one in purpose. What's our purpose? Jesus prayed for it. I'm leaving them here. I want them to have joy. If you're getting along with people, you should have joy, right? And I want you to protect them because I'm leaving them here in this world because they've got a job to do and that's to let the world know that I came for them And the world's going to know I came for them if they'll just get along and love one another. And as I get closer to Christ, I should be better at getting along with people. 
the farther I'm away from Christ, the more struggles I have in my relationships. The closer I get to him, the better my relationships become. Because I learn how not to have to have my way. I learn how to care about others more than I care about myself. We'll just let that sink in for a moment. And the Bible just keeps it right in the forefront of everything. And Jesus said, the greatest commandment, love God with everything and love people. They're this, you can't do one without the other. And so he prays for that. God, I know this is going to be hard for them, but I'm praying. Would you help them to be one so that the world's going to know? Would you help them? And then Jesus wants us to pray with an expectation. An expectation. This verse, many years ago, kind of hit me upside the head one day. It just kind of messed with me. Because as I read it, I suddenly came to a realization that I really hadn't thought about before. And I'm going to give you what it is, and then we'll read the verse. Here's the realization. God wants me in heaven more than I want to be there. And I want to be there. And here's what the verse says. I want those whom you have given me to be with me where I am. God's not trying to keep people out. He wants us to be in heaven. God, I want them to be in heaven so, so that they don't go to hell. God, I want them to be in heaven so that they got a good place and everything's better. No, God, I want them to be in heaven because I want to be with them. And I want them to be with me. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. I want them to experience what I've experienced. I want them to see the glory of God. Wow. That's just incredible. And yet that's what he prays for. Father, I'm asking all of these things because I want them to experience what I've experienced. I want them to be with me. I care about them. I love them. And here he is in an intimate moment, he and the Father, praying. What's he pray? Father, I want all of these to be with me. I want them to see all that you've done and all that you're doing. And I want you, them to experience the love that you have and the greatness you have. I want them to be with me. That's just incredible. And ever since that day, I think I've, that's been in my head about how much God really cares for us. I want to be in heaven pretty bad. But Jesus wants me in heaven pretty bad too. That's, that's good to know. You know, sometimes you think, well, everybody's going to be in heaven and he'll, I probably won't even get noticed. Oh, you'll get noticed. Well, how can he do that to everyone? Understand, God is spirit. He can do it. That's great. One final thing. He wants us to have a revelation. 
He wants us to have a revelation. Verses 25 and 26. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. In other words, he is still continuing revealing God to us. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Father, they don't know you like I do. But I've done everything I can to reveal you to them because, as he said to to the people, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's our job too, by the way. That's one of the ways we do that. You want to know what God's love is like? Watch my life. We love like God, right? We should, right? Okay. So he says, you know... they don't see all of you, but I've revealed them, and I'm going to keep revealing you to them. And so as you and I live in Christ, God keeps revealing a little bit more of himself day after day after day after day. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. You will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. The more you understand God's love, the more power you have in God. Now, all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church, that's us, and in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I want you to see more of God. Father, I'm asking you, keep revealing yourself with them. Keep helping them see more of you. As they keep growing in you, keep showing them the greatness and the majesty of God. So this great chapter, watching Jesus pray to the Father. It's really the only prayer that we have recorded of him other than maybe when he's in Gethsemane. Father, if it's possible, let this cup on the cross. He says some things. But when we see this picture, what's he praying about? He's praying about you and me. After all, that's why he came, isn't it? For you and me. So never forget, Jesus today lives to ever intercede for you and I. And when he prayed, he prayed for us. That you and I will have everything that we need to live for him today. What a great, great prayer. And I hope you'll take it and keep it and kind of remind yourself of it. Of how much God loves you, how much he cares for you, and how much he wants you have the fullness of life and to understand his greatness and his love for you 
more and more every day. Let's pray. Lord, we get overwhelmed when we look at this chapter and see how you prayed for us and what you deemed as being important for us and how much you want us to experience and to know the greatness of God and to be a part of the redemption story that is God's heart. And so, Lord, would you help us to understand how much you care for us and how you pray for us and all that we have that is available to us through Jesus Christ. And we go from this place tonight grateful for your prayers, thanking you for what you provided and what you're still providing. Help us to live in it, I pray. In thy name, amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.